Hey, we are uh, in the middle of a series uh, called Fallen, in which we're just saying out loud without apology, you get that there's a real enemy out there. I, I know a lot of us don't want to believe that. We, we think that maybe uh, Satan is allegorical or he's just a picture of things, but Scripture is pretty unapologetic in saying, no, 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 you've got a real enemy with real tactics, and, and that in the moment in which you and I stick our head in the sand in the moment that you and I ignore that fact, you and I have already allowed him to outflank us uh, in our lives. So we've just been talking about what does it mean to acknowledge that as truth, but more than that, what does it mean then if that is a reality in our lives to respond to that reality so that we don't end up destroyed? Because the ultimate goal of the enemy is simply this, run you, run you. Today, we take a couple of moments just to say, what are his tactics? How, what, how does he manage that in our lives? Because every one of us has had a moment in our lives where we went, how in the world did I get here? What, what was I thinking when I made that decision? How, how come at the time when I was deciding who to date or to take that job or or to buy that car. How come at the time it just seemed so logical? I mean, it was just so obviously a good choice in my life. But now, now I look back and I go, it was obviously bad. I mean, even, even the things that I should have known, that I should have seen, that I should have recognized were all there. They were apparent. This isn't just hindsight is twenty twenty. This is, I should have been able to see it in the moment. Because all the warnings, all the bad elements of that decision, and in the moment, I thought this was great. This was, if I would date him, he'd make me happy. If I would. How did you and I get there? How did that moment happen? And here's the question Is it possible? Is it possible in that moment of your life? When sin just looks so desirable, in that moment in your life, when a poor decision just looks so absolutely logical? Is it possible in that moment that there was an enemy? That there was someone whispering in your ear, trying to encourage you, help you do that which would wound you, which would bring harm to your life? Is it possible that the reason that what was just absolutely bad idea looked so good because in that moment, you and I were deceived, and that an enemy was at work, and that if you and I had understood what he was doing and how he was doing it, you and I could have avoided the moment. Is it possible? I'm five years old. My uh, grandmother teaches me uh, a brand new game, a game that I'm sure that every one of us here in the room at some point in our lives has played. Upon teaching me this new game, my grandmother spent the next few hours absolutely wailing on me. Uh, if you don't know by now, the Winters clan is uh, highly competitive, and I'm pretty sure it started with Grandma Winters. Uh, how in the world a fully grown woman could take joy in pounding her five-year-old grands, I don't know, but it's a Winters thing. And uh, so for hours, I mean, just out-tactic me, out-thought me, I went, pounded me at tic-tac-toe. So finally, I just said, I'm done. I, I refuse to play anymore. This is absolutely humiliating. And then finally, 
My grandmother said, you want to know how I'm winning? I said, sure. Here's what she said. Always, always, always go for the center box. You always do that first. Gives you the greatest advantage, gives you the greatest tactical position. You always go for the center box. And then, never, 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 early on in the game, ever, go into one of the middle boxes. One of the in-between boxes. Don't do it. It'll set you up for failure. Always, 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 always go for a corner next. You know, the moment, you ready for this? The moment Grandma told me her tactics changed everything. Because every time she started to play and she marked the center box, I knew exactly where she was going next. I went there first. From that moment on, grandmother couldn't beat her five-year-old grandson. Matter of fact, I either won or played to a cat's game every time after that. Because, because, we ready, 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 Because I knew her tactics. Now, you and I look back at the moment, we go, oh, no, wait a minute, that's, that's a simple game with pretty simple, t- yeah, yeah, I know it is. But until I knew the tactics, I was getting outflanked, outwitted almost every time. The best I could hope for before I knew the tactics was a cat's game. What if it's the same with Satan? What if in you and I knowing the tactics that once we get those figured out, once we just call them out and say, this is how he works, this is his strategy, this is what he, you know, I would all of a sudden go, oh my goodness. And you and I would see the move. You and I would get the moment and go, ha, I'm not, I'm not falling for that. You can no longer outflate me out because I know the tactic. Matter of fact, Scripture says exactly that to us. So grab your Bibles this morning and go with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. And if you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this passage. And guys, I just want to encourage you this morning, bring your Bibles You're going to want to be sure that the things we're talking about are truly from Scripture. It's always important to have your Bible. This study, bring your Bibles. Mark in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, here's what it simply says. In order that Satan might not outwit us, outscheme us, outtactic us, not get an advantage on us, in order that Satan might not outwit us, For we are not unaware of his schemes. Simply says this. If you and I get it, if you and I get the schemes, get the tactics, then Satan is going to have a really hard time outwitting us. What if? What if you and I don't know the schemes? What what if you and I don't recognize the tactic? Then we'll get pounded. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a few moments just saying, what are the tactics that Satan uses in our lives? Here's what we're going to find. A lot like tic-tac-toe, they're relatively simple. But if you don't recognize, if you don't see him, if you don't respond accordingly when he begins, he'll, he'll get you every time. He'll pound your life. So here we go. What are the tactics? And here's the interesting thing you're going to find. Almost every tactic of Satan always revolves around a lie. Because Scripture says simply this about Satan. He is a liar. He was one from the beginning. And he is the father 
of lies. Here we go. Tactic number one, deception. Deception. This one is probably the hardest one to recognize. This is the one that you and I will struggle the longest to figure out in our lives. Here's why. Because the best deception, the best lie you can tell is a little one. See, if if Satan came to you and me telling some big, hairy, outrageous, over-the-top lie, we'd get, you'd see it coming a mile off. You you ever had a dog that you wanted to get to swallow a pill? Well, you, even if you just take that pill unexposed and give it to the dog, right? You can't get that. You're prying the dog's mouth open, you can't get the, the dog's going, no, that's a pill, don't want no pill. So what do you and I do? You take the pill and you stick it in a little meatball. Uh, you, you find a clump of peanut butter. You get anything the dog likes and you stick the pill. And then the dog <laughs> and swallows the little pill. And you get that the best deception, the best deception in their lives are little lies. See, what Satan knows is that he wins if he can take truth and just tweak it a little bit in your and my life. And the problem is what you and I have thought up until now as we've thought about his taxes, we go, well, you know, all right, so maybe it's a little, I mean, you know, I think I even knew that as I was getting, I knew it was a, a little, it was a little skewed. It wasn't quite what God would have said or it wasn't quite accurate, but it was just, it was mostly right. You get that you and I are in a tactical war of subtlety. And here's what Satan knows. He doesn't have to get you and I to believe the big honking lie to get us out of bounds and ruined. If he can simply get you and I to believe a little lie long enough, act on it often enough, he'll destroy us. See if this helps. How many golfers have got in the room? Come on. Okay, how many of you that are sitting next to people who just raised their hand and they shouldn't have raised their hand? All right. All right. So I'm a young man. I'm just now, just then picking up uh, the game of golf. And every young man has young man golf disease, which is simply this. Every young man believes the harder you hit the golf ball, the more manly you are. So every, every young man beginning, there's this interesting thing that, you know, the, that ball, if it hits this, goes a remarkable distance. So the logic of a young man is simply this. If I swing with all my might, so every young man gets up, rears back as far as they can reach, swings with as much might as they can swing, and it's a successful swing if you come out of your shoes. That's a good moment. But here's what you discover after a while. About one in 20 of my hits actually go straight. The rest of the time, I do this. (laughs) Why? Because golf is a game of subtlety. And the reality is the the club face, the front of that uh, driver being just a skosh off, just a few degrees bent has huge repercussions. And what you find is as the ball goes far, ready? Far enough, long enough, 
slightly on the wrong angle, it ends up in disaster. So I'm golfing with my grandpa, 70-year-old grandpa, and I'm getting up and I'm going to prove to him. And I'm doing the young man. Every once in a while, I would happen to hit it straight. But the other 19 hits, I'm over here going, did you see, did you see where, did it go over the fence? Oh, man, and I'm dropping penalty stroke. My grandpa, 70-year-old grandpa, he doesn't even take a proper backswing. Hundred and ninety yards. Now I'm sitting there with young man disease going, Oh grandpa, that's that was nice. That was a nice hit. It was in the middle at least. We got to the turn, which simply means for Nongo. We got halfway through. My grandpa is beating me. Why? Because he's not ending up out of bounds. He's not taking all the penalty strokes that his grandson, who can hit it 280 yards, is taking, because mine keep veering, ready, ready, because a slight bend has huge repercussions. See, here's my grandpa. My grandpa knew hitting it straight, keeping it in play, saves you a ton of pain. Your enemy, the devil, knows. All he has to do is get you to believe a little lie long enough, and he'll get you into a bunch of penalty strokes. You get, you get that when you and I believe something that's not true, it changes our thinking. It, it changes our decision-making, such as, t- take, a gal, take a gal who decides that all men are dogs. All men are simply jerks, which you realize that's not true. Just most men are dogs. And there's actually one or two good ones out there. But, but take a little gal who says, no, 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 all men are dogs. So now guys come along who are interested and guys who maybe would pay attention to her. But because in her heart she's believed something that is not true, how does she respond to that man coming in her life? <laughs> all these barriers going up, all, all of these to test his loyalty. And you get, think, any healthy guy soon comes to the conclusion and says, oh my goodness, this guy's got a lot of baggage. I get deeply involved. I'll be dealing with this the rest of my life. <laughs> Which only reinforces her idea that all men are dogs. You get, you whoa, whoa, whoa. You get that believing something that's not true can change the trajectory of my life. So what do you, how do you do, what do you do about this? What do you, how, Lynn, if this is the most subtle one, if this is the one we get most confused, how do you do this? What, what, how do you respond to the tactic of a little lie inside of probably something very appealing, looks very truthful? How do you, how do you know that moment? Grab your Bibles. John, book of John, it's going to be the left in your Bible. John chapter 8.
John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Here's what it says. To the Jews that had believed on him. So in other words, these, these guys have figured out that Jesus is truth. They're, they're, they've committed their lives to this journey. To the Jews that had believed on him, Jesus said, ready? If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, in other words, what you say, look, 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 when the enemy comes, when deception comes, when that little nugget of lie comes wrapped up in what looks mostly truthful, here's how you're going to recognize it, because you're going to know my teachings. Oh. Remember Jesus when he's in temptation in the wilderness? Remember as Satan comes to tempt, ready, to deceive him? On every single occasion in that moment, how did Jesus counteract the tactic? Scripture. Every time. Scripture. Because Jesus said, no, 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 no. Satan, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take something, hey, if God really loves you, throw yourself off the temple, he'll save you. Well, no, no, that's right, that's truthful. God really does love me, but thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Scripture. And Jesus said, look, if you know Scripture, you take the tweaks out of your life, and you'll stay in the center, down the middle, without penalty strokes. So let me just ask you an honest question. If that's one of the ways, if that's one of the ways that you and I counteract and recognize the tactics of the the devil is that you and I know Scripture... How much scripture do you know? I mean, if, if I say to you, you will continually be outflanked. You'll be continuously outsmarted. If you don't know scripture, if you don't know what the truth is so that you recognize the subtle lie, the enemy will constantly have a heyday in your life. You'll constantly be outmaneuvered. But how much scripture do you know? And it, Coming in here on Sunday and sitting in the purple chairs is a start. It's not enough. It's not enough. And if that's all you have, that's... You and I already know what's going to happen, don't we? Which is why, which is why, which is why at our church, you hear us constantly encouraging and saying, look, you can't just be a purple chair person. You've got to do something more than the purple chairs, which means you've got to be either in a small group where you're learning Scripture, a small church, a men's ministry, a women's ministry. The mind Bible study happens in this room. Hundreds of adults come in this room every single Tuesday night to learn Scripture so that when deception comes, they go, oh, no, no, no. That's not what the Lord said. Boom. Tactic beat. So only honestly, just in as we're doing this, do you know enough Scripture to keep the enemy from outmaneuvering in your life? And if your answer is no, then don't you know the answer? I need to get into a Bible study. Second tactic, temptation. Temptation. Remember I said, they're going to be simple, but if you and I don't recognize, if you and I don't respond correctly, if you and I keep playing the game we've been playing so far, the enemy wins. You and I get pounded. Second tactic, temptation. 
And you get that when Satan goes to tempt you and I, it's an awful lot like a fisherman. That, that what he's doing in that moment is he's simply trying to figure out what it is that you and I will bite on. And, and at the end of the day, guys, he doesn't care. He doesn't care what it takes for you and I to be tempted. And just like a true fisherman, if, if wiggly frogs are not working today, he'll put in a shiny sparkling. He doesn't care. His message is simply this. Hey, little fishy, fishy, fishy. Your life will be incomplete without my little rubber froggy, froggy, froggy. Which is exactly what he says to you and I with temptation. See, he, he pulled baby shad. I mean, wouldn't that woo? But if you're a fish, see, and some of us in here, and you go, Satan comes to us and says, hey, bitterness, I got bitterness on a hook. And some of us would go, are you kidding? But there are some of us in this room who feel like life has been so wrong and we've been so cheated and, and our parents were such cruds and I can't believe what that business partner did to me and did you know my friend gossiped about me? And Satan has pulled out his dried up bitterness and said to you and me, you get that the only way this will be right is if you hate. And you and I have swallowed. Pink lizards. <laughs> now, I was corrected. It's actually, I think it's supposed to be pink salamanders. I don't care. I, but you get, there's some of us in this room in which Satan has come and said, you know, your marriage is not what you hoped. The, the love of your life is now turned into the nag of your life. The bedroom stinks. You get, you need pornography. You need the attention of that little gal at work. You'll never be happy. See, because even though your wife is rejecting you, I mean, that gal on the internet, she looks at you with longing eyes every time. Wouldn't you like a pink salamander? You'll never be happy without it. You realize you need more stuff, right? You realize, you realize that your pile's not big enough yet. And if you simply would buy that 72-inch widescreen TV, I know it doesn't fit in your living room, but you can move the furniture back. At that moment, at that moment, if, it, if, if, you can, if you can just simply get a bigger pile, a greater, if you can do that, you'll finally be happy because then it'll be enough. And I know, I know, I know, I know when I talked you into buying that car last year, even though it was ridiculous and you couldn't afford it and the interest rate was through the roof and now you're struggling to make the payments because it was just a dumb, I know, I know, I know. But the reason that didn't satisfy is because it wasn't quite enough yet. Big screen TV. And you, guys, guys, 
How many times do you and I have to fall for this tactic before you and I begin to realize that every single time that Satan comes with temptation, every time he's pulled this on us, it has been the same story. You need this. God doesn't understand. You're different. The Bible doesn't apply here. But until you swallow my bait, you'll never, never, never be happy. Really? You, you and I are going to fall for that one again? Now, I, I get why. I, I understand it. Sin, sin is always juicy and yummy. See, I guarantee you there's a moment, there's an instant in every single fish's life when he finally takes the bait that he goes, did it, did it. I've often wondered, how long does that moment last? I mean, how long does it take between the fish going, score, and then feeling that? How long before he feels the hook set in his mouth and realizes he messed up? See, the truth is, guys, and you just need to hear me say, there are some of us in this room right now that you think I'm just dumb. You're going, Lin, Lin, that's not a tactic of Satan. The truth is, I've been sinning. I've been sinning for years. <laughs> Juicy worm. I promise, I promise, I promise that's coming. Because fishermen don't fish not expecting to catch the fish. Hey, oh. It's okay. I think you broke in two, and now there's, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys just forgot the point because you're all worried about the worm. <laughs> there's never been a fisherman who fished who wasn't trying to set a hook. And your enemy is no different. See, some of us sit in the room and we go, hey, no, wait a minute, Lynn. You know what? I was able to nibble the bait off last. I got away scot-free. Anybody in here ever fished and the fish got off scot-free? Yeah. But if you're a good fisherman, you drop the same bait right back in the next time, and you pray that the same fish is dumb enough to come back again. Really? You're going back again? Grab your Bibles. Okay, everybody got freaked out last time after this, and they brought me handy wipes this time. I, it didn't bother me, but um. okay. Grab your Bibles, Book of James. Here we go. James. James is going to be almost at the back of your Bible. James chapter one.
verse 13, here's what it says. When tempted, no one should say, hey, you know, God's tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Sound familiar? Enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings death. Death. You say, well, then, how do you, what do you do with that? I mean, how do you respond? I mean, what? You ready? Look for the hook. Because I guarantee you in every one of your temptations, in every one of those moments in which the enemy comes to you and says, look, 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 you really need, this is the only way you'll be happy. God didn't understand when he said that. You're exceptional to the rule. Look for the hook. Because it's there. And that juicy worm has nothing but death attached And please, please tell me that you and I are smarter than that, are wiser to the tactics of the enemy than that, that you and I aren't sitting around a hook and trying to nibble off the worm. Someday, you keep nibbling, he'll set the hook. You'll be in the boat. Tactic number three. Not only has Satan come to deceive us, get us to believe little lies that take our lives in wrong trajectory, temptation, promises that what we're missing out on is exactly what we needed. But you ready? Last one, accusation. Accusation. Here's the part that I think is totally interesting about this part of Satan. Satan's the one that told you the lie in the first place. Satan's the one that came and tempted you and said, look, if you don't get this, your life's never going to be complete. But the moment you and I give in, the moment you and I fall, Then Satan comes and says, see, you really are a cruddy Christian. You are just scum of the earth. I mean, you say you believe God, but look, you're a total hypocrite. You will never be able to do anything for God. And if that weren't enough, you were never good enough in the first place. You were never smart enough. You were never pretty enough. You get that all of that is lies. And yet, amen. As Satan comes and whispers in your ear and says, you will never measure up until, until you get the next raise, until you make the next move in the corporate ladder, until you buy your family that bigger house. You'll never. Be enough. Ladies, as Satan comes and whispers in your ear and says, "You're a stay-at-home mom? You realize you don't look anything like the magazines, which most of us don't, right? And even if you do, I mean, how many in the room are 40 or more? Then here's what you've already discovered. No matter what I looked like then, I don't look that way now. (laughs) 
Everything that was in the right place is now in the wrong place, and there's not enough spandex to put it back. <laughs> if that's really the measure of whether or not I'm worthy, then I'm unworthy. You will never mount to anything for God. You've already sinned too much. You've already blown it too far. You're so unskilled. You're so untalented. You realize you're shy. You realize you're too loud. You get that those are all lies. That your Lord and Savior would never say that to you. And, and I'm, I'm just going to ask this morning that if, 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 if you've bought that, if you've had that, you're listening to the accuser who delights in the idea of paralyzing you and me from ever living to what Scripture calls a life worthy of our Savior. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not wealthy enough. You've sinned too much. You get that my value can't be measured that way. Your value is never measured that way. Your and my value is measured by what someone is willing to pay. Let me see if I can help. Baseball. We, I think we got this at Walmart. I think it's eight bucks. Genuine, big league, official baseball, eight bucks. You can get it. Any of us can get it common baseball 300 bucks matter of fact when I borrowed this baseball the owner said to me please 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 tell me you're not going to touch it <laughs> I don't want your greasy fingers all over it so I had, to, I had to promise I'd keep it in the case you know why this baseball is different than this baseball because about 20 years ago, a guy by the name of Don Sutton signed this ball. And there are people, you ready for this? There are people willing to pay $300, $400 for this ball. What makes it worth $400? Someone's willing to pay that for it. What does it mean to you that the creator of the universe was willing to pay his own son for you. And what does that say about your worth? And God would say it is immeasurable. And all that matters is that there's one person willing to pay that price that makes you worth the price. And God already paid it. And you and I have got to stop looking at ourselves through the eyes of this world and through the eyes of the enemy and look at ourselves through the eyes of God and realize there is no sin so big that cannot be forgiven. There is no limitation in my life that God cannot overcome and sometimes uses the things I'm not to display the things he is. And sometimes the thing that makes me the most effective Christian is my limitation because it makes God more obvious and the very parts of me that don't measure up are the very things that God delights in because people see him more clearly. And the enemy will continue to try to whisper in your ear, you're not good enough, you're not 
bright enough. You're not strong enough. You're not good-looking enough. And you say back, but I'm worthy enough because someone already paid unspeakable price for me. So here's the question you and I get to today. (laughs) Do you and I leave this room playing tic-tac-toe like a five-year-old? See, do you and I walk out of here and go, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, get, I get that it's temptation. I, I know that's going on, but, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not going to bite me. I, 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 can still, I can still play the way I've always played this game. No, I get it. I get it. I, I get that I don't know enough Scripture and that, you know, the enemy could probably come and sneak a small lie past me and, and, and I wouldn't recognize it because I, I just simply wouldn't know my Bible to do it. I'm going to keep playing the game the way the world plays the game. I'm going to spend my life striving to be pretty enough or strong enough or accomplished enough so that people will love me and appreciate me. Or do you and I learn the tactics of the enemy? Do you and I take the moment when temptation comes, when the lie comes wrapped up in the little ball of meat, when the world says to us, you're no, do I see it in that moment and go, I know exactly what you're trying to do. I will not be outthought, outflanked by you. And you and I get to choose today. Let's bow our heads. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we simply come before you and here's, here's the honest truth. We face an enemy who is smarter than us, who is stronger than us, who is wiser than us. The reality is the only reason he's been beating us is because we have been oblivious to his tactics. He's, he's, he's put his mark in the same spot a dozen times, and we keep playing into his hand. And God, I'm just going to pray for those of us in this room who know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't know my scriptures. I don't know the word of God. I wouldn't recognize that subtle lie. And I'm just going to ask that you bring a holy discontent, that you bring almost, almost, almost a fearful concern that says, I have got to know the word of God if I'm ever going to recognize the tactics of my enemy. God, I pray for us in the room who Satan has caught us a hundred times on that hook. I I keep going back to my pornography. I keep going back to my anger and my bitterness. I I keep wallowing in my materialism. I keep thinking if I'm just a little more successful, I'll feel whole. And God, for those of us that have had, some of us, a lifetime of taking the same bait, in our lives. We thought we thought we could never be free. The hook is already so deeply set in our mouths we just thought I'm I'm doomed for the boat. That God today they would simply say never again, never again. I renounce it. I know exactly what the enemy's done and that today they'd slip off the hook and swim back to freedom. God, there are some in this room who have measured their lives and measure their worth through the eyes of men. 
they, they've, they've spent a lifetime looking for the approval of this world and not the approval of their God, which they already had. And Satan is winning, and they are paralyzed. God. May we have enough wisdom to see the tactics and outplay the enemy. In Jesus' precious name.